Shout out Sniper T on the beat. Tamara to the break of dawn is on the rise with life on the forefront of the mind. So line for line, you can ride this brain train and you can change your station without even touching the dial. So relax, stay a little bit, but listen for a while. And whether you're bumping this in the whip or in a business fit, it's a meeting you won't want to miss. A meeting for a meal to feed the soul with words for the mind. So sit back, enjoy the ride, time to take off, it's time to fly, cause Tamara till the break of dawn is on the rise. Hey, 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 y'all. It's me, Tamra. Yes, yes. When the studio audience is on point, it just, it really does something to my soul, y'all. So thank you so much for tuning in. Hold on. Let me adjust this because there we go. Thank you so much for tuning in. New listeners, new episodes drop every Thursday. So come on back through. I usually talk about my life and the ways that I'm trying to grow. To all my regular supporters, I appreciate y'all. Y'all already know what it is, the day one, two, three, four, wherever you came in. Thank you so much for continuing to support. If you're not, you should totally follow me on social media and the link to my social media as well as my YouTube that you should totally, you know what I'm saying, subscribe to. It's zero dollars to support in that way. You know what I'm saying? So the link to that and my YouTube and everything else is in the episode notes. So make sure y'all come through for that. Podcast happy hour next Thursday, I think the 27th. Not even sure all the details, but we're supposed to have a watch party. So again, I don't even know what all the details with that is, but... I will give you more information. Like, follow us on social media and you'll figure it out. I feel like Jay is the one hosting it. But again, I don't even know all the details on that. Um, so, yeah, more to come on that. Um, I think that's it. So, I'm going to lightweight. I do have a guest. My homie Vaughn is the guest today. Studio audience, do your thing. Yes. Appreciate y'all. Y'all know what I'm saying. I'm going to officially introduce him a little bit later, but I am going to ask him this first question to kind of kick things off on this fine Melon Intoxicate Volume 3 episode. Actually, it's called Melon Intoxication. Let me get my stuff right, y'all. All right, Vaughn. Um, what is one thing that you enjoy, that you are going to share with my listeners all over the world that could potentially get your black card revoked? Uh, probably the fact that my favorite R&B singer currently is not black. <laughs> Who is your favorite R&B singer? Uh, currently, um, a guy named Mac Ayers. Spell A Y R E S. Okay. Mac Ayers. Let's look him up, y'all. Let's see. Let's see what he's on. And I'm not going to play enough that YouTube hopefully doesn't. Mac Ayers. Hopefully they don't. Okay. Mac Ayers popped up. Okay. Artist. Okay. Uh, um, this is an interesting. This is an R&B dude. Yeah, so R&B, yeah. Because his 
Apple Music picture is like him with a guitar and some. Okay, so let's let's say he has a song Moonlight. So we will play some of that. I'm not sure I've heard Moonlight yet. <laughs> well, we often to just see what he on. Reminds me of the 80s, like late 80s. That's a white dude? So I'm going to stop there. I've played 33 seconds. That that might be enough to not give me a YouTube flag. I mean, and you can dispute it, but I really, it's annoying when they, it was, which is stupid because my channel is not even monetized. So it really doesn't even matter, but they be like on it, on it. As soon as I upload the video, like, yeah, it's, it's annoying, but all right. Um, I mean, I would, well, I knew he was white because I looked at and saw what, you know, the visuals, the aesthetics and all that. You see, it's a white man. But yeah, definitely eighty late 80s vibes is what I get from that. Um, might have to check him out. So, all right. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, he's got, um, he does have some, like, like some funk feeling type songs. He's got some more slower stuff. So stuff I listen to, there's a song called Smoke, song called Easy, uh, Jumping Off the Moon, and one more um, song called Better, and then Get Away. So maybe I should have asked you, like, what's, let's say, Easy. That was one of the, let's play a little bit of Easy real quick, since this is a Vaughn favorite. Let's see what got Vaughn choosing this white man. Over our black artists. <laughs> Let's see what this is. That's 41 seconds. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what exactly YouTube's limit is, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get flagged on this video when I upload it. And it's fine because I will just dispute it. They don't really, I don't even know what makes them really, really trip with that because I have done karaoke battles where they give me copyright violations or whatever but they don't shut my video down so they'll just say oh it can't be monetized and it, and i get that because the whole thing is like 
even though actually I low-key don't get it because it's karaoke, so it's the instrumental, usually not lyrics. But okay, fine. But then I've had where I only played one song and they shut my stuff down just instantly. They didn't care about nothing else that, you know. So then I disputed it and got it back up there. But yeah, so in case y'all didn't know, fun fact, you can dispute the copyright claims. Now, you got to actually be telling the truth. So I usually say I'm a podcaster. I was reacting to this, that, and the other, or I was hosting a karaoke battle or whatever. I'm not acting like this is my music, blah, 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 blah. So if that's true about you, you should be able to whatever. But then a fun fact is after so much time, I want to say it's 30 days, if the other person doesn't dispute your dispute or something like that, they'll just remove it anyway. So that's a fun fact in case y'all didn't know. Um. Well, thank you for sharing that with my listeners so they can, you know, judge you or not. They really shouldn't be. <laughs> they really shouldn't be judging you because, as I say or have said in the past, it's kind of like if in our black skin we're doing something, that's what black people do. And that's really why I have that part of this particular episode because I hate just the box that sometimes we put ourselves in or sometimes other people try to put us in. And so, yeah. Um, welcome. You know what I'm saying? We appreciate you and your time on this fine. Well, technically today's Tuesday again, studio audience. Can we welcome Vaughn to the show? Yes. So, guys, Melanin Toxication, these episodes are based off the brand that I created, Melanin Toxicate. I feel like Melanin Toxication happens when someone experiences feelings of euphoria in the presence of someone who is the epitome of Black Girl Magic or the epitome of Black Boy Joy. So, every month, I will highlight one of my basically Black friends and or content creators who basically either has inspired me or does inspire me and I feel like is the definition of so dope they get high. I'm starting out with my friends that aren't people that I've met in the content creator space just because I'm trying to bring y'all on the show. I haven't up until recently. It's mainly only been podcasters. So if you're a podcaster and I, you know, I may reach out to you later on. Um, but for this series, just starting off, I don't know. I'm just trying to diversify my guests. Why I feel like I needed to explain that to y'all, I don't know. Because I don't ever explain anything about what I do on my show. But I guess more so so that podcasters know that, hey, I might reach out to you to have you be a part of this segment. I mean, this series or whatever. So Vaughn and I have been friends, gosh. We go back, what, to the mid-2000s? <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely over a decade for sure. Um, I feel like I met you at Jason and Lisa's uh, New Year's Eve party, but I just don't remember what year it was. Uh-huh. Um, so that's where we like officially met. 
then we became Facebook friends. And it's funny because I remember he sent me this video and like we had never sent funny videos to each other before. And it's at a time where like you thinking people got hacked because that was kind of like new and then you're paranoid and it's like, don't click on the video that they sent you because blah, blah, blah. So I remember he sent me this video. And so me, everybody's a scammer. Everybody's whatever. That's why I don't be getting scammed, though, because I don't just trust whatever. I ask questions first. So I was like, did you really send this to me or whatever? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. And we have a very similar sense of humor. So we just really clicked ever since then. He is out in Cali. So... It seems like a lot of my Nebraska friends, I have a little group of y'all now that are out in Cali. He runs an electrician company. He's also a writer and a proofreader, has a pastoral background, a military veteran. Shout out. Thank you for your service, sir. And like I said, a wild, wild sense of humor. Like there are very few people in this world that, I trust to not judge me for how wild my sense of humor is. And he is one of these people that, yeah, we, I'll say the wildest stuff and he'll just laugh. Like I've never, especially when you're a believer and some people could be so like, Oh my gosh. And I mean, God knows what it is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Facts. Facts. So yeah, um, so yeah, y'all. This is this is my homie for real, for real. Not saying other people are not my friends, <laughs> but <laughs> this is yeah, this is the homie. Um, I don't even know how I want to start this episode. Like I have this, y'all gotta understand today. Like on the backside of things, today has been like the the weirdest day. So like. I'm here, I'm recording, whatever, but I don't know why I feel like out of sorts or whatever. So let's start here. Let's talk about your military experience. How long were you, first of all, what made you join the military? And then how long were you in the military? No, well, first of all, Tim, I want to say thank you for having me on. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity. I just want to honor you for the hard work you put in to build the podcast up to the point where it's at. I, I, uh, even though you have a studio audience that claps for you, uh, I, I have to say that I am, I am one of those uh, uh, studio audience folks that you can't hear me clap uh, as I've listened to the podcast uh, and, and am a consumer of your content as well. So uh, Thank you. I just wanted to do that. Uh, but uh, to, to, to answer your question, um, so what led me into the, uh, the military is kind of a funny story. So I was uh, looking in the paper for uh, a job, oh and goodness. I saw an ad that said student loan repayment up to $66,000. I was like, oh, what job is this? <laughs> United States Army. I said, hell no, I'm not going into the military. Right. Uh, the whole, well, first of all, uh, you could die. Uh, so that was that the first time. And uh, so I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm going into the military. But then, like, I started to think about it. And uh, so then there were three things that kind of won me over. Uh, and they were uh, leadership, training, and development, um, travel, and just meeting 
people from all over the place. So I said, you know what, I should, I, I think I should seriously consider this. And so when I initially uh, walked into a recruiter's office, the plan was to go uh, big army. Um, so work with the army recruiter. Um, and this would have been like September of like 2008. And so then, um, you know, so I had to drop like 40 pounds and, uh, oh, so you didn't go in straight out of high school. Okay. No, I was nope. thinking you did for whatever reason. Yeah, nope. And then, um, so then I had to drop weight. So I was working with the Army recruiter. And then uh, March of 2009, my grandmother passed away. Mm. And so uh, uh, she, was, she was an employee of uh, Omaha Public Schools. And uh, whenever people, whenever word got around that she had passed, uh, there were a lot of people who wanted to set up a scholarship on in her name. And so uh, the family kind of was like, hey, fine, this is something you can manage. I said, sure. And so then for me, it kind of made more sense to stay closer to home. And I'd had a conversation with my dad. And, and I just mentioned to him that, that was, that's what I was planning to do. And he just affirmed that he felt that that, that, that sounded like a, a good and a wise uh, decision. And so uh, kind of, I guess, uh, about that time, I switched over to the National Guard, worked with a National Guard recruiter. And uh, within a month and a half, I was shipping off to basic training and I served six years. So mm. from 2009 to 2015. Oh, so you were in the military when I met you. OK, I I mean, no, National well, Guard, but yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I, for some, I, I think I think I actually met you a little bit before I went in. Okay. Oh, okay. So you, I guess we didn't talk as much then to where I would have really known that because I honestly don't remember everybody now at this point, it's over a decade now, how many years over a decade, <laughs> depending on whatever, I don't even know. Like, what is this 2022? Yeah, I definitely knew you by 2012 for sure. So, huh? I'm trying to think of when Jason and I reconnected. Might have been 07, 08. Now the question uh what was uh that um that New Year's Eve uh situation was that was that the one where we played Rap Star? Um we played uh there was a it was some band game because I had an air guitar. And this oh, was when, band. huh? We're probably playing a rock band. Yeah. And this was the one where, and this is actually a very traumatic, very, like the the only time Jason and Lisa have collectively induced trauma in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because Jason, Jason was actually my first guest on the show whenever that was, the, the summer of... 20 i mean 2020 i think or man i don't who knows what what is time anymore but anyways we uh yeah we played i guess rock band and we decided we were going to start a, a band called monk yeah because they weren't even married yet at that point they were just dating and oh, wow. so they made all these promises of fame and fortune and we never, like, it just never happened. And, like, that was the first time that I realized that people in the industry be lying because they made all these promises. 
that didn't have it, but happened, but we were able to overcome and, you know, Jason, we're still friends despite his betrayal and lies and deceit. <laughs> I still embraced Lisa as his fiance, then wife slash mother of his children, despite the betrayal and the lies and the deceit and the really just misrepresentation of what, a manager or whatever should be in the industry. Y'all know I'm dramatic, so. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So it was. I'm trying to think. His room. I think his brother might have been his roommate and some other. Like they weren't even married at that point, but he uh -huh. was living in his house. Yeah. And you weren't even there long, like. I don't I don't remember who else was there, some other non-black people. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So um anywho. All right. So you decided to be in the military. You actually went in later in life than I thought. For whatever reason, I was thinking military was actually before I met you. Um, but what would you say like and it's funny because there was a point that I was considering joining the military after I had my son, just because I thought it would a good, be a good way. I was going to go air force. Um, Cause that's what like my dad, his brothers, my mom, even. Um, and when I say my dad, y'all, I don't mean my bio dad. I mean, the, the man that actually was a part of my life, you know what I'm saying? So military, like that's how I grew up, Air Force. And so I was going to join, but I had a, my son at that point and they said that I would have to give up like my parental rights or whatever, I guess, in case something happened or I don't know, but it just didn't sound right. And it didn't sound like for any type of job, it was worth it for me to be giving up my parental rights to my son. So I didn't do it. Um, but I know there are certain disciplines that you probably learned or were instilled with you within the military, which is kind of why I wanted to join. So how was that beneficial to you, like, once you got out and went back to civilian life? And then what was that like, having lived adult life as a civilian, then going into the military, and then being on the other side of that? Oh, that's that's uh, definitely a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so uh, as far as like the disciplines that that I got out of the military, some of them like I, I had them before. So like things like reverse planning, where like for instance, if I'm going to if I uh, like in order for me to be at the gym at seven o'clock in the morning, well I need to be up by six fifteen so that I have at least thirty minutes to get dressed, do the things I need to do, and have enough time to get to the gym on time, and then. So what precedes that would be like how much sleep I want to have. And then, you know, so basically just start with, you know, start with the where you want to be and what time and then backwards, work backwards to create a plan. Like, I, I think most of us have probably, probably started doing that in junior high. But like, um, but just to have that really emphasized because everything in the military was planning. Um, so there was that. Um, for other, other, other disciplines, I'd say... Um, so uh, anytime they're like you issue like an order is issued, they, they first issue what's called a warning order. And so I find that like 
the concept of the warning order, just kind of like I've integrated that into my life. So like, for instance, whenever I lived in Omaha and I was a, a juvenile probation tracker and, uh, you know, anytime that like uh, I was going to be step, stepping down or, or like like a, um, the decision had been made for a kid to like transition from me as a tracker to have another tracker. Like I would just say, hey, just want to make you aware that um, you you might be getting a new tracker. Um, and so it may happen. It may not happen. But just so that if it does happen, I don't want you to be caught off guard. And um, so just just doing that. And, and I try to do that in as many areas as possible. Anytime I know that there is a potential for something, I'm trying to warn a person just to give them a heads up. Hey, this might come down the pike so that if it does. So, so if it does happen, then like they're not caught off guard. And basically, it's, it's just helping people to uh, helping uh, the, the trend. How much? What's the best way to say this? Um, whenever something changes, it makes the transition easier on people. So there's that. And then, of course, the physical fitness. And I find I found as I kind of looked at my life that any time I was disciplined with my physical fitness, like other other things have fallen into place. Uh, I feel like physical fitness is kind of like that. That It can be an anchor discipline where if you get that right, then like a lot of other disciplines fall into place. And uh, I would probably say the um, I would call the discipline of situational awareness of. Uh, like no matter, like anytime I enter in a room, I always know where, I always like note where all the exits are. If there's anybody acting kind of like off, like I just notice that person, I just kind of observe, just kind of keep my eye on them. You know, those sorts of things, just, just being aware of your surroundings and just being ready for, for if, if, if things go south quickly, like you have, you've already figured out like, uh, you know, what you can do in that situation to get yourself out of that situation. So so in case some got got your shank, in case some jump off. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and as far as like um what it, what it was like to be a civilian, then a then then a, a service member, and then now a veteran, or you know back in civilian life, uh, full on. So uh, it, it wasn't as challenging because I was in the National Guard, and so my commitment was uh, one weekend a month and two weekends or two weeks uh, in the summer like our annual training so uh so i got to kind of like go go be a soldier and then you know jump back to civilian life so it wasn't as big of a transition but i will say that um the cool thing about the military was whenever i go back to it was always fun going to, to drill because then you get to catch up with all your battle buddies and just kind of catch up with uh you know the, the things that have happened in life since the last time you saw each other and and probably the the one thing that's probably I'd say different in the military than say normal everyday life is the camaraderie. Um, and so I'll, if there's one thing that, that I would say that I miss about the military and it's the camaraderie, uh, the fact that they take, you know, people from all over the country, different walks of life, put them all together. Uh, you know, you suffer together, you, you, um, you train together, you do everything together. And, uh, and, and so that's, um, it's one of the, the, the cool aspects, I guess, of the military. Mm. So it sounds like the relational aspect kind of you really, really appreciated, which I'm not surprised of that. Um, what was your job or, okay. So like when you would go to your, for the weekends or during the week, like what did you do during that time? Yeah. So uh, it, it, it depended on the drill. But uh, so my military job, I was a 92 Alpha, which is an automated logistical specialist, which basically that's a 
a fancy term for just saying that I can do just about anything in a warehouse. <laughs> so, uh, so for me, I was primarily responsible for like clothing records. So making sure people's clothing records that they had their TA 50, uh, basically they had all the gear that they needed. And if they didn't, like we could, uh, put in an order for a gear, um, anytime, uh, you know, soldiers need new uniforms, they turn in their old uniforms, I issue them new uniforms. Uh, and then, then the same thing, my, my supply sergeant, uh, would tell me to do, you know, that's, that's what I would do. Mm, okay. So since I've, what I can remember, I guess, of you is that since I've known you, you've worked like a few different jobs, but they're all pretty much been either working with you. So like when he was a juvenile tracker, there was even a point where our careers kind of worked together as I was the gang intervention, gang intervention specialist that would work with. So we would have like some youth in common, which was kind of nice because you can't really talk about that stuff usually with your friends because of confidentiality and all that. So for me, it was nice to have a friend that I would talk to about stuff anyway, that I could also talk about this kid <laughs> that was I was struggling with or just, you know, whatever. So that was kind of nice just because it was a job where, I was alone a lot. So I had a boss and then I had whatever. So yeah, I remember that. Um, or you're, you've done stuff like in the social work field or, you know, you worked in ministry, like officially that was your job, you know, doing stuff ministry related. So have you always been this way where you've kind of been like passionate about helping others or when did you, like, when did this start? And like, if you remember kind of like what sparked that, that drive within you, because in every job that I've seen you in, and then if you're not working a job, like right now you're running an electrician company. So that's a little bit different, but you still have a Bible study that you're leading. So you're still doing stuff where you're pouring into people. So kind of like, when did that start? What sparked that? What keeps you going even? Because it can be draining at times. That's a great question. I think if I can identify uh, where it started, it probably, wow, I didn't even know that that would pop up. Uh, it probably, like, so, so what's coming up for me right now is I remember being in sixth grade, mm. and I remember uh, we had a half day, and I was going to Pawnee Elementary, um, and I had a buddy named Jamar and Jamar was, uh, something happened and he was, he was, uh, he, he was about to storm off and leave campus. And so, uh, I looked around and I saw that nobody was trying to stop him. So like I, I was in the front of the line. So, so I jumped out and, uh, and, and I ran and I stood in front of him. I was, I was, I was like, bro, don't go. He's like, he was like, no, no, forget this. And so then I just grabbed him and <laughs> I, 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 I just had him in a bear hug. And I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, listen, we got a half day. We got about two hours left today. Like, come on, let's just go back in and then let's just finish out the day. So then he, he, he you know, listened to, to reason. And so he went back in. And I remember walking in and uh, all of a sudden, like I'm walking down something like this. And I look up and like my, uh, my sixth grade teacher had hugged me. And uh, she, she basically said, thank, thank you for your leadership. And I was mm. like, what? Um, so I, I think, so that, that, that's the first experience that kind of like pops up. And so then as I've, 
uh, Ghana, you know, of course. Uh, so that was, I was about 12 then. So a couple years later, I had a conversion experience where, you know, I, I converted to Christianity and such. And I think that, um, you know, I guess, you know, becoming a Christian, some of the messages you get, um, and then also kind of the messages in, in, within the culture about pay it forward and, that, and those sorts of things. So, um, you know, being that I grew up in a single parent home and I did well in school, so I got that label of an at-risk youth or whatever. And But then also even within my home, because of the situation, like just making the choice to step up and try to help my mom out where I could and just kind of being in that in that role of um, – I, I, I guess taking care of the people, you know, around you. I, I think, I just think that, you know, all that come came together to make um, service oriented um, professional situations um, a good fit. Now I kind of look at those, those things differently now uh, because, uh, and I was thinking about this earlier today, but uh, you know, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, okay, why did I get into this field? I would say, oh, I was just paying it forward. I was just, you know, I, I was that 13 year old kid who had, uh, you know, an adult, a caring adult come into my life uh, who guided me. And that was uh, my mentor, Pastor Val. Uh, he was my pastor for 19 years. And then uh, after those 19 years were up, uh, I've since served on the board of his organization. Um, uh Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm trying to get back, get back on on. Uh... But you're about to cry. No, <laughs> no. Um, but uh, but today I would say probably, uh, probably I think what was what was actually at work was just me kind of working out those those things that happened when I was younger. <laughs> I think. Mm, okay. Um, just you know. Uh, you know, be, being used to being in that role, uh, it was it was it was very easy for me to you know. So I had this role in my home, and so then all of a sudden, it, it, you know, I was presented with the the opportunity to do the same thing uh, for a career. So it was just a natural segue. But as I've been kind of away from you know, I've said I've lived out in California for a few years, and there's been growth and 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 development stuff there. I think looking back, um, yeah, I I just think that uh, you know it. <laughs> It was kind of like opportun opportunities to respond to familiar situations in different ways. And what I mean by that is, is that like, so, so, uh, you know, in my work with, um, uh, let's, let's take a treatment home. So, so I, wor I worked in a treatment group home uh, for about seven years. Um, and so you're in, the, you're, you're in situations where teenagers are experiencing, uh, challenging situations. Now for me, there was no one there for me because, uh, you know, my mom was working all the time and, you know, I'm taking care of my siblings. Uh, but then in this situation, I was able to be for these young people, what someone wasn't for me. So, um, so yeah. And, and sometimes I, I think, I think, uh, another segue idea, um, about that. I remember hearing TD Jake say one time, uh, the quickest way, to get what you didn't get is to give what you never received. Mm. And so I just uh, kind of took that message to heart. And so that's, I think that was a huge motivator for being in that field, um, at least for the first part of my career. 
Uh, I think these days, the thing that kind of keeps me going and what motivates me to, um, I guess, help out is just to realize that I am one link in a very long chain that, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm convenient to, to help out, but everything doesn't rise and fall on me. And uh, to, to answer your other question about how have I lasted so long or what keeps me kind of in the field is just realizing that uh, because that allows me to to rest and to chill out when I need to um, and to not get overly invested in uh, people's lives. Because sometimes and I've had this happen in the past where I could get so invested in someone's life where I end up giving more than this person is giving. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I shouldn't be working harder than you. Right at, 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 at helping you get somewhere in life that you want to get. Like if you want to get there in life, you should be more motivated than me to get there. And so I'll match you, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I'm not going to take responsibility for your life and you getting somewhere. Cause that's not mine to own. And, uh, but, I, but I can definitely be over here, be a cheerleader. I, I, I can support you in any way that I can uh, within reason that makes sense. And in, and in a way that uh, doesn't fully deplete me, um, so yeah. <laughs> mm, good stuff. Very important for people to definitely then be putting more effort in or at least as much effort at the very least, not you putting in more effort than them. Let's switch gears real quick um because I definitely want to talk about that given this given your like ministry background and even just what I know of you um, as a black man in America. (laughs) I don't know why I said it America, but be glad I didn't start singing the song y'all. Um, but (laughs) you are someone that I know. And when I say the song, I mean, this is America just so there's no confusion, but anyways, um, (laughs) you are someone who I know has been in spaces where you may be the only black person or one of very few. And so throughout your life, when was the first time in life that you really noticed, like just noticed that notice that? Cause I feel like when kids are little, depending on how they're raised, it's not pointed out as much, but then there's just this some point in life when you realize what it means, not what it means to be black, but just like how different that can make situations. Um, y'all already know I'm never on here to try to bash anyway, anybody. So that's why I'm trying to say this as respectfully as possible or whatever. Um, but yeah, when was the first time that you noticed that? And like, what was it that caused you to notice that? Hmm. I think, I think I first noticed it whenever I started uh, going to school outside of North Omaha. Hmm. So, so initially I started off, you know, kindergarten going to Druid Hill. And then uh, that was for kindergarten at first and second grade, we went to Saratoga, uh, uh, Saratoga for second and third grade. Then fourth grade, I went to Bancroft, and that's way on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, with two months left in my in fifth grade, uh, we moved to Pawnee. And then I was at Norris, and then uh, we were back in North Omaha at uh, at North High. So, um, so I, I would say it was probably when I, when I first 
I think when I noticed it, it was whenever I started going to school outside of um, outside of North Omaha, even though there were still other black students. Uh, it's just that whenever I would get, um, I don't know, selected to be in some special thing like Future Probe or whatever else, you know, stuff like that is where I would be uh, the only one. And then sometimes I, so, so what, so I, what I'm trying to say is that, that the time when I felt it was when I was, whenever I was in honor classes or whenever I was in uh, things like future probe and, and like extracurricular activities, um, at least between like late elementary, early junior high or and through junior high. And, and so it was simply just the fact that you're like, dang, nobody else looks like me. There wasn't like a someone mistreated you or anything like that. And I'm not trying to lead your answer. I'm just clarifying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. At that young age. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's right. Um don't get don't wrong. I've definitely had those those experiences, but the things that that stand out to me are are just what I've shared. So right, all right, cool. So, um, every black person has had this moment where either they say out loud. I tend to say it out loud, <laughs> even if I'm by myself, <laughs> or they say it to someone else. If you know where they say, I love us, I love being Black, I love Black people, something where we just have this moment where we just we just love whatever is happening because there are many different things that can cause a Black person to say it where we're just like, man, I love us. Might say, why are we like this? But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what are a few few moments? It doesn't have to be the first time. It could even be something recently, or it can be just something memorable where you just really were like, man, I love being black. I love, um, and I always have this as part of this show because the whole point of Melon Intoxicate is to celebrate the beauty within black people. So even though I did ask him the question about when was the first time he noticed, you know, that he was the only black person definitely want to highlight though. And don't want to stay on that. Why do you love being black or what were a few times that you said that felt that, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I'll start, uh, I'll start off answering that question by saying one of the things I appreciate about black people as, as a collective is how we have, been leaders, no matter how much power we wield. Mm. So elaborate, when I, yeah. So when I, I think about like the civil rights movement, how how black black people were, were leading the charge. Now, uh, and and the thing is that since the civil rights movement, other groups have piggybacked on the civil rights movement to 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 get the things that they were looking to to gain, you know, to achieve their collective goals. And 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 some of those groups have gotten more in my view than black people have, even though it was the civil rights movement that sparked a lot of these other movements. Uh and then so that that that's from, you know, the 60s, 70s. And then we look at more recently with like say like the Black Lives Matter movement or uh or or we can even look at um and this, this, this is another thing I appreciate about Black people as collective is, is how creative we are, but also just how like we're we're cultural leaders. Like a lot of the like 
trends in terms of how we talk. Uh, like a lot, a lot of a lot of the things that we create in terms of like um, slang. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's called what's it called AAVE or whatever it's called now. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, but but just like we, we we set trends with with language, like words words change, like the uses of words change whenever we change the usage, and other people hear us using it, they figure out what it is, then they then all of a sudden it gets integrated in to where you know you got. Um, people in the marketing space talking about up leveling and leveling up and, you know, stuff like that. And that's just one small example. Um, I'll say before, definitely. Before uh, you move away from this though, and I, I'm trying not to cut people off, but no I love the way you said that you said the meaning of the word changes when we change it. Like mm -hmm. I never really thought of it. Cause that just sounds like there's, you know, and you started this off talking about we have power even when we don't necessarily like it hasn't been given to us. So like the power for a group of people to literally take a word and change the definition. Yeah, it's slang or I think it is AA whatever now. But just the power behind that is I never even thought of it that way. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no problem. And uh, I'd say uh, I think I think I mentioned the strength and resilience that we've had, and, and I think, and this is the big one, is uh, the joy we have in the midst of situations and circumstances that have been known to kill the joy uh, in other people from other groups. Mm. And it's like no, no, no matter what happens in our collective history, we always find a way to to laugh and to express our joy. Or find joy, you know, and despite mm -hmm. what's going on around us. So, so yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think, uh, uh, um, uh, at least a contemporary, um, situ a thing that I appreciate is, you know, like black Twitter and I'll, I'll even say black TikTok. Uh, if I'm having a bad day, I know that, that those two places are places I can go to, to get myself <laughs> back on point because I am guaranteed to laugh. <laughs> Man, Guaranteed. listen, I love black Twitter. Like, I am not one of those people that ever needs to take a break from Twitter. I'm only not on Twitter as much if I'm busy. I'm only not on TikTok as much if I'm busy. So I love black Twitter. I will never forget... Um, January 3rd, I think it was 2020. Yeah, because I was, as the pandemic hadn't really officially started yet. But I remember waking up and getting on Twitter. Gosh. And like there was threats of war at this point. This was like we could have all been about to die. You know what I'm saying? We didn't really know what was going on. But all I know is I get on Twitter. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. <laughs> and the first tweet that I saw, I didn't even know what was going on because I had literally just woke up and hopped on Twitter. And I get on Twitter and I see a meme where there's this old lady kneeling on the side of her bed, like praying and then a nuclear nuclear bomb goes off 
and I like really should not have been laughing at this. <laughs> but and then I just I was like, what? So I'm cracking up laughing, and then I just keep scrolling, and every tweet going down my timeline for a while was just so many jokes about mm. the impending doom that we were all facing. And it wasn't just black people. That's what I love about Twitter because mm. when it's something global, you know, you see tweets from all over the world, you know what I'm oh, saying? But, and then black TikTok, my gosh, the way, how fast they move to make a video about whatever. Like, I don't even know how these people come up with these ideas that quickly like something could happen today later today or tomorrow at the latest there will be a hilarious video that i'm just like oh, i love it i love it i love it i love it because laughing is my favorite thing to do and yes and it will be within hours mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yep sometimes it don't take that long yep 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 like it yeah, it really, oh, man. Like, I remember when Kobe died. Oh, gosh. And, I like, that's a death that I cried about. There have been very few celebrity deaths because, I mean, I don't know them. You know what I'm saying? But for him being someone that I was in high school when he got drafted. So, like, me, no. But prior to that, me remember him on Moesha. So, let's go back that far. Oh. Then he got drafted. And then someone that I got to watch his entire career. Now, did I watch every game? No, because, you know what I'm saying, I ain't about to lie. But still just seeing his entire career to him retiring and all that, like you don't get to see that with very many players. And so um, I definitely cried. However, I will never forget the tweet that I saw that somebody had drawn basically God – taking the helicopter and throwing it and saying, Kobe. What? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now, I ain't draw it, y'all. So, you know, I don't care if y'all judge me because I wouldn't have said it if I did, but I ain't draw it. I just seen it on the timeline and I have a very wild sense of humor. Like, even in tragedy in my own life, Making jokes is kind of like how I cope. So, man, mm -hmm. Black Twitter is like really, really clutch in a crisis because, like you said, we are guaranteed to laugh, which thank God we have that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Speaking of creativity, this is a great segue. I couldn't have had a better segue if unless I wrote notes and <laughs> wrote that on there. Yeah. So you have a few different creative outlets that I know you get into writing and, you know, stuff like that. What would you say is your favorite creative outlet that you actually do or get into? Well, I think I have a favorite one for different situations. Uh, so when I'm bored at work, doodling is, is, uh, is one. Is one. Mm -hmm. um, uh, downtime at home is probably... Um, Cracking jokes, uh, or, or find, find, finding like the 
the funny silver lining in the situation that like I I hadn't seen anyone like but basically like this unique to me like something that 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 I saw observe the situation and my brain goes off on this tangent and then mm -hmm. I laugh to myself or eat or whether it be I laugh hard or I laugh like I just kind of chuckle. Um, that's one, but probably the, the overarching one is probably journaling. And, uh, and I say journaling because I can gauge a lot in, about my life through about by looking at my journaling life. Mm -hmm. um, during the times when I'm not journaling as often, like when, when, I'm, when I'm in a rhythm and I'm doing it consistently, like I know that my life's on point because the stuff inside is getting processed. So the way I look at life is like um, just living, uh, just observing, like all my senses are taking stuff in and it's just thrown in there. Um, whenever I journal, that's my way of sorting it out and putting it somewhere. And typically uh, it's me sorting it out and putting it on the page. And so I'm kind of sorting it out as I'm writing and I always feel relief after when I'm done writing because I've taken what was inside of me, taken it out, and I've set it somewhere. So then there's space available inside for other things. So and I think that that space is is a lot of where the creativity comes from. Um, so, so yeah. So when, whenever I'm whenever whenever I know whenever I'm frustrated, I have a short when I have a short fuse, or whenever I'm just annoyed frustrated typically i'm not writing and then i know okay it's been a minute since i've written so i need to even if i just do one page or i do a half page like i need to put some words on a page before i go to bed tonight so mm. do you go back and read your journals ever <sighs> you know very rarely um and and so i have a stack of papers where i i, I had a had a journal that was basically a notebook and I tore all the pages out and threw the, the tatted up, uh, tattered, um, uh, wire bent up, uh, notebook in the trash. And they're just sitting like on a table in my bedroom and I, I haven't read them yet. Sometimes I'll, I'll peruse them, but I haven't actually sat down and, and read them, but I'll probably make that a priority pretty soon because some of those are from like 2019 whenever I was like, I'd only been here for maybe six months, seven months, mm -hmm. eight months, nine months. And so it'll be interesting to see what's the same and what's changed. Mm. All right. So speaking of reflection and such, what are some goals you're working on right now? Ooh, goals. So one of the goals I'm working on, uh, I'm currently taking classes for uh, to be a real estate appraiser. So I'm hoping to get uh, my last few classes done uh, so I can be an official um, appraisal trainee. Uh, so what is an, sorry, what is an actual, what is a real estate, ugh, what is that, what you just said? <laughs> a real uh, estate appraiser. Yeah, a real estate appraiser is a person who gives an opinion of value. So uh, mm. let's, say, let's say grandma, pa uh, I don't know, let's say a family member passed away and uh, they left you like an estate. And so in order for you to determine what the best thing is to do with that estate, you'll probably get an appraiser to appraise the, the property uh, to see what you're working with. So then you can make decisions like, does it make sense for us to keep it? Uh, you know, is it, is it, you know, um, and, and typically like you, you like, if you're going to bring someone on like that, you'd probably let them know what you're considering. So they know what kind, what they need to do in order to give you an appraisal. 
that will uh, be reflective of what your aims are in the situation. So like if, if for instance, in that situation, if, uh, if you're, if you're thinking about holding on to it and leaving it as a single property, selling it or keeping it and maybe subdividing it up and renting, renting out like rooms in it, like, like each one of those, you'd probably uh, enact a different, um, there, there'd be a different procedure for how you would go about assessing value. So like, if you're going to leave it as, as one, one deal that you're going to keep, I mean, you'd have to look at all, all the numbers to see if that makes sense. But if you're going to sell it, of course, you're going to, you're going to want to know like what the land, what the value of the land is versus, um, you know, land plus the property sitting on the land. Uh, and then also like, let, let, let's say, you know, a consideration would be to bulldoze it in the rebuild. Like, so I say all that to say, like, just depending on the situation, like uh, an appraiser is a person that you would go to, to give you an opinion of value. So you can, uh, make an educated, um, decision about how you want to move forward with what you want to do with the property. Interesting. Never heard of that. It makes sense though, but mm. yeah, I had never heard that that term so you're working towards that um so with all that you're working towards working on you have a full-time job you lead bible study you have your workouts you have social life and all these things like how do you balance all of that really to make sure that you are good to be able to pour out to all these things yeah, I'm going to answer that question. I want to mention one more goal. I have a goal to hike uh, Cow's Mountain 27 times, and I'm five hikes into it. So that was super sidebar. But anywho, <laughs> answer your question. Um, Shout I, out to the five, though, because yes. I have literally hiked zero mountains ever in life. <laughs> yeah, so I would say uh, the, thing, uh, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, making sure I have one night a week uh, to myself that's for me. And typically on that night, I don't do anything. So I'm not going out being social. Uh, I don't have any any commit anything that I'm committed to doing. Uh, and actually, tonight will be that night for me uh, once I'm done with this podcast interview. Oh, thank um, you for uh, sacrificing your well, your night. <laughs> no, I, I mean because I mean typically, like during this time, I might be doing uh, depending on the day. Uh, you know, I might have went back to the gym or I might have linked up with a friend. You know, because he's you know going up to San Marcos or whatever. But I was like, nah, like, no, nah, it's perfect because, like, I'm here, uh, I'm doing this, and then uh, when the camera goes off, I'm probably going to go lay in the bed. I might even go to bed early tonight. Mm. Um, I'll say also like, to get out in nature at least once every two weeks. And so typically that's when I go on the hike uh, to go mountain hiking. And I'm probably going to integrate in, like, um, hiking at, at some other places here uh, because San Diego has a lot of hiking places where you can hike. Um, and then, um, something else I, that, that, that helps me is being alone in silence. I think in our culture, like we, we, we praise the extroverts and, uh, you know, everything is noise and activity and being out among people. And I think that, um, I think that like to use an analogy, like everything, everything works better, better when you unplug it every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I think that the same is true for us as humans. And so I think one of the ways that I unplug is, is just by sitting in silence. Sometimes I'll do like 10 minutes and, and sometimes I've done as long as an hour, just sitting in silence, 
and just kind of yeah just disconnecting so now with the the night to yourself is it the same night every week or you just make sure that one night a week you have to yourself i just make sure one night a week i have to myself because um the social calendar kind of fluctuates uh depending on you know somebody has a birthday you know birthday party on thursday night or they just want to the fellas want to get together on you know tuesday tuesday night uh for a social night or whatever it just it just kind of depends so i just but i just try to make sure that there's at least one night that i that i have for me so what's one piece of advice before we get out of here that you would give to our <laughs> listeners related to anything, honestly, just something you think would add value to their day, week, or their whole life in general? Um, I would say... This is going to sound wild coming from me. It feels wild that I'm about to say this. Um, I would say treat your friendships, treat friends like employees. Be slow. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're listening, you can't see my face. He can. <laughs> I am very, I am shocked. <laughs> As his friend of many, many years. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. That was so rude. But I was no, no, no. so shocked. Like I said, it, 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 it's wild coming from me. Because that is not at all how... Yeah, go ahead. Finish yeah. that. So, so what I mean by that is is be slower to hire mm. on the front end, but also be quicker to move on should that be warranted. And Say and that again. I, say that again. Say that again. Uh, be slower to hire on the front end and be quicker to move on on the back end, if you can. Thank you, y'all. Yeah, that was a gem. Yeah, because so, sometimes like it's, it's harder to move on. And the thing is, like, you don't have to make a grand uh, announcement uh, like in order to move on. But I, I think the important thing to realize on the back end about move, for, first of all, being slow to hire is don't be so quick to call people your friends. Like, yeah. give yourself time to vet them, to watch them, to see them through at least, uh, you know, at least four seasons uh, before you can, uh, before you start, like, like before you start calling them friends. Uh, it's the first thing because sometimes, like, people, people, I feel like the, the average length of time that a person can, can keep a mask on is six months to a year. And so at some point, like the, the mask and who they are, if, if, they're, if they're not being fully who they are, like that mask is going to start to slip. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Um, and on the back end, like you have to understand that like um, everything that exists in your life exists at the expense of something else. And so like if you have, so like if you have people in your life that you know that like, hey, there's, th th this, this, this relationship has expired. It's time to, it's time to move on. Like the, the longer you hold on to that, like, like that thing is taking up space uh, that someone else who's a better fit for you and who you are and where you're going is taking up. So the quicker you move on, the quicker you, you create the space for the thing you actually want and, and or need. And then uh, the quicker you create the space, the quicker that space can be filled. Mm, I like that. Slower to hire, quicker to fire. That's, <laughs> that's basically, you know? Yeah. 
Yes. Well, Vaughn, thank you, thank you, thank you so Oops. I'm up here making noise. Hold on. Let me, let me set that down. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for um, your time, your just wisdom, just, you know, thank you for agreeing to do the episode because if only y'all understood how last minute I really asked this man when I usually try to be more ahead with guest episodes. So I appreciate just you making the time when you really didn't have to. Before we get out of here, is there anything you have coming up that you want to promote or where can the people find you on social media if you want them to follow you on social media? And then if not, just kidding. Yeah. So, um, so my handles on IG and uh, TikTok, those are the places I'm, I'm at primarily is lofi, L-O-F-I underscore Vaughn. Uh, I had a friend call me a lofi human and I just kind of, that just resonated kind of like, you know, lofi hip hop music. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that, that, that describes me. So uh, <laughs> my handles are lofi underscore Vaughn. Um, yeah. I was just say, feel free to follow me on those places now. Uh, if you find me on, on IG, like uh, my, my account is private. It's not because I'm trying to hide. It just helps me to manage the scammers that are trying to follow me. So uh, it's more of a gatekeeping thing to keep. Uh, Cause like before scammers would just follow me, then I have to like, you know, unconnect them, un, un, un remove them, yeah, remove them. I, I had to remove them. So now it's just like, I just say yay or nay. So, I mean, basically as long as people have like, content on their ig you know i'll typically um you know accept them as my friends and i'll follow them back so uh other than that uh, I, I have a brand that i work with the i am better than me brand i'll just flash a, a sweatshirt real quick and i should have stuff up uh on uh on my platform so if people are interested in that they can rock with the brand so that's it all right um I will have the link to his IG and TikTok in the episode notes. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you, Vaughn, for being on the show, the listeners for listening to the show. I appreciate y'all. Make sure you guys are taking care of yourself mentally, emotionally, spit, spit, just spit. physically, and all oh, waking create. <laughs> They, they 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 need they need to buy so many of these that like that like I don't know it it, it makes something break. I'm trying to get into getting some inventory now. Obviously, that costs money, so that's kind of what I'm trying to work on. Simply because I realize some people will buy stuff online. Some people just don't like ordering stuff online, and so. Shout out to the people that have bought either Melanin Toxicate uh, merchandise and or even podcast merchandise when I was promoting that. I obviously still promote Melanin Toxicate all the time, um, but I'm trying to figure out. I don't even know. I'm trying to figure out a lot of stuff, but <laughs> shout out to y'all. Make sure that you guys are like taking care of yourself. Let's start that all over because I messed that all the way up. So mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, make sure that you are healthy. Make sure that you're being healthy in your relationships. 
which I love the whole slow to hire, quick to fire, like, and you know what, if somebody has been your friend for a long time and you can tell their season has ended, it is okay to just stop talking to them. It doesn't have to be this, I'm cutting you off, just fall back. And sometimes the natural progression of life is that they just won't reach out because y'all don't have anything in common anymore. And that's okay. Like you, um, that whole no new friends mentality is very toxic because some of my closest friends that I talked to the most in this season, I didn't even know prior to podcasting. I've met a lot of the dopest people in the podcast community that have been so supportive of every creative and professional endeavor in an outward way so that like I know you're um, supporting no shade to the people that support in their own, you know, their own ways. But I'm just saying like, these are the people that will share my tweets. These are the people that will interact with my content because they understand how that helps the algorithm. These are the people that will interact with my TikToks or even follow me on TikTok. You know what I'm saying? So, um, man, yeah, have healthy relationships that are mutually beneficial. In every season of life, you need to have people that are that. And if you don't have that, then you need to kind of assess your circle and see whose season has ended, who do you need to fall back from, who do you need to cut off or have that actual conversation. Because sometimes you do have to have those uncomfortable conversations but life life and or your social media too like if you feel like you got to take a break from social media because there's too many fake people then you need to cleanse your followers and your friends on social media like people hate facebook i love it you know what i'm saying it's no different than anywhere else but i also don't have people on my facebook that i don't want to see what y'all have to say. You know what I'm saying? I don't care who you are. I will block you. I will unfollow you. I will unfriend you depending on what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So social media should be social y'all. So have those healthy, healthy relationship dynamics. Um, Thanks for rocking with us through this episode. I feel like it started off kind of weird. because <laughs> I felt like I didn't know what I was doing mm. or, I don't even know, but if you're still here, you powered through that, and I appreciate y'all, and I will talk to y'all soon. As always, I'm here every week. Bye! Ladies and gents, this concludes transmission. Tune in next time for a whole new edition, another adventure and mission to share, be heard, and clarify the vision of this whole new world for... Damn.